Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Well, it's going to be back with you uh, after a week away at our Synod's uh, annual pastor's conference. Uh, this past week was a refreshing uh, week for me, and we're, it's where we gather as pastors for worship, for fellowship, for the, the Lord's body and blood, as well as some business, and especially we, we hear a lot of essays. And it's not as boring as you think, at least for us. But I have to tell you that this year we commemorated the 500th anniversary uh, and there's a lot of these 500th anniversaries lately, but the 500th anniversary of Luther's uh, exerge domini, uh, that is his excommunication from the church uh, for what uh, the church said was false teaching. And that false teaching, they said, was what, that Luther said that scripture is the final and highest authority above councils, above reason, above tradition, above any leader. Luther was removed by the church for asserting that Scripture was above the church. And it was when Luther was removed that his opponents started labeling those people who believed that Scripture was the highest authority. They started calling them a derogatory term, Lutherans. Lutherans. Dirty Lutherans. Well, I am glad to be here today with you dirty Lutherans who hold Scripture to be the highest authority. Well, after we heard about the history, we moved into practical things. Uh, what excommunication actually is. It is, after all, uh, in Scripture just a few chapters before our Gospel lesson today in Matthew chapter 18. And then we discussed, well, if Scripture instructs us of the necessity of, of excommunication, of removal from churches, well, what does it actually mean to be a member of a church? And actually, these two things are, are, are two things that we, need to be, uh, that we need to understand to be able to make sense of our gospel lesson today. Jesus tells a, a parable about a wedding banquet. The first part is easy enough to understand. Uh, the wedding uh, symbolizes the church in heaven, the heavenly banquet of the church triumphant, all those saints who are in heaven. But the second half of it is, is not so easy. A man shows up to the wedding without the proper clothes. Clothes? That's a bit odd, right? But it's important because the master kicks him out. The man is excommunicated from this heavenly banquet because he does not have the proper clothes on. So what is this? Jesus is giving us a picture of a man who, who outwardly uh, is a, a member of some church. He might even go regularly. Uh, he maybe even helps out with all the church functions. But when the church is called to heaven, this man is kicked out. Now, there are nearly an infinite number of opinions on what constitutes church membership. Uh, pastors have heard it all, and we, we shared a number of things uh, this past week with each other. Uh, people think, well, church membership is, well, that's just where you give your money. Or, or church membership is just where you, where you drop in frequently or infrequently. Uh, church membership is, is the last church you attended. 
Some churches make you a member if you show up three times in a row. Church membership is, is where you help out and take on obligations. Or even, and this is a real one, church membership is, is having your name on the church cookbook. Now, I, I don't think I need to tell you that not one of these is really what it means to be a member of a church. Now, we do have to make a distinction. Now, when we use the, the word church, we're talking about one of two realities. A church is a local congregation here, the people you can see. The church is the communion of saints. Think about what we say in the creed when we say, I believe in the holy Christian church, the communion of saints. You say, I believe in the holy Christian church because you can't see it. And the Nicene Creed calls this the invisible church. Membership in the invisible church is, well, invisible. You can't see it. And we are members of the communion of saints, and somewhat we are the same way that we're members of the human race. At least most of us, I think, didn't fill out an application to be members of the human race. Even your birth record doesn't make you human. We're human by virtue of being given life by God in our flesh. Bones, blood, our bodies. And so we're members of the church invisible because we're given life in our souls. We are born of the Spirit. Membership in the one holy Christian church is... Uh, is not something then that I do. It isn't something that we choose. I don't get into heaven because I, I, I make a decision for Jesus. My membership in the Christian church is something that God does. God gives us a rebirth through baptism. And this is key. Through baptism, Jesus clothes us with Jesus' righteousness. Membership in the Christian church is a matter of having the right clothes. It's a matter of justification. If you are justified by grace through faith, then you're a member of this communion of saints. And all the members of this communion of saints have been justified by grace through faith. It's a one-to-one correlation. But it is not a one-to-one correlation between the visible church or, or membership in a local congregation and the communion of saints. We wish it were that neat and tidy. We wish we could say those who attend church are believers. Believers attend church. Many assume that, that simply by being on the church roster, whether that's in an official record or on the church cookbook, uh, that, that gives them access to heaven. But sadly, not all members of Christian churches have faith. Many are unrepentant. Many throw off the righteousness of Jesus by continuing in unrepentant sin. Many rely on their own righteousness and throw off the righteousness of Jesus. Uh, They rely on their own goodness for their ticket into heaven. They believe they're a good person getting better, able to justify themselves into heaven. 
That's what the man in our gospel lesson thought. He, he is thrown out of heaven because he did not have faith. He did not cling to the righteousness of Jesus. The grace Jesus wanted the man to have, wanted to clothe him with. Instead, he clung to his own works. And maybe even his mind is church attendance, however frequent or, or infrequent it may have been. He thought he could justify himself by his own effort. So, membership in a local congregation is not a matter of justification. We can't justify ourselves. We can't justify ourselves by being a member of a church. We don't get points toward heaven every time we come here. Membership in a local congregation is not a matter of justification. It's a matter of sanctification. It's a matter of sanctification. It's what God calls us to do once he has already brought us into the one holy church. And he calls us to be faithful to his means of grace and to hold his word sacred and gladly hear and learn it. Because, and this is a perfect follow-up from last week's gospel with the paralytic man and Jesus giving in the forgiveness of sins, what brings, what gives life and salvation is not your righteousness, not mine, but the forgiveness of sins. Think of the 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost who heard Peter's sermon and they were baptized. God says they were added to the church. They didn't choose it. They were added by God by faith in baptism. God had clothed them with Jesus' righteousness in their baptism. But what did they do after that? Acts 2 says, After they were added, they continued to hold firmly to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. In other words, their justification that God now called them to now God called them to do something in the life of sanctification, to join together with other believers as an assembly, as a gathering, as a congregation around the word and sacrament. So, what does it mean to actually be a member of a church? Well, it means being obedient to the third commandment, regularly gathering with fellow believers in communion or community to receive God's gifts through word and sacrament, in confessional harmony with them, living a repentant Christian life, where you are served by a pastor who you recognize as a shepherd accountable for your soul. The essay earlier this week put it like this. God wants somebody staying up late nights to be worried about your soul. And this looks different all over the world. There are members of the invisible church who don't strictly have membership in a local congregation. There are Lutherans in China or in the Middle East and Muslim countries, for instance, with whom that we are in fellowship with. We would commune them if they came here, but who don't have their names on the church roster. Because if they did... 
if they did have their names written somewhere, they would likely, very likely be hunted down, persecuted, and even killed. Regular church attendance for Lutherans in India, with whom we are in fellowship, looks like maybe once a month. Because it's a church body of 20,000 plus people, served by 20-some pastors. So they don't have church every week. They can't. So even here, there are members who you don't see, because they can't physically come. And so I go to them. God desires for all to be saved, for all to be saved, and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is exactly why he has established the local congregation. We can't do without it. But also, this is the paradox, why membership in the invisible church is not contingent on the local congregation. He has already bought your soul by Christ's holy and precious blood and innocent suffering and death. You're baptized. You have the clothing to get into heaven. Let me close with the vows that all of you who are confirmed or received in a membership made. And I do this because the man who was at the wedding banquet, when the master asked him why he was there, he couldn't give an answer. He couldn't make a confession. So these are the vows you made for why you joined the church. These questions were asked you. Dost thou acknowledge and confess the teachings of the Evangelical Lutheran Church to be the true and unaltered teachings of the Word of God? Notice it asks for a confession, not an application. And it asks, are you confessing the teachings not of Faith Oregon, Wisconsin, not of the ELS, not of our synod, but of the Evangelical Lutheran Church. In other words, the visible manifestation of the invisible church. Dost thou therefore desire in sincere obedience to God to be received by us into the communion of the Evangelical Lutheran Church and of this congregation? Note that this is done not simply because a person feels like it, but out of obedience to God, because of the third commandment. And if you're in fellowship with the invisible church, the true church, the one on scripture, then you're in fellowship with us. And finally, dost thou intend to continue in the confession of this church, to make diligent use of the means of grace, and to lead a sober, righteous, and godly life, even unto the end, or even unto death? In other words, you are confessing, or you have confessed, that what you've been taught here is true. And you're promising to remain faithful, not simply to this congregation, but to the confession, to Scripture, to the faith that is taught by the true church, which in this place just so happens to have the name Faith Lutheran Church, and in the world just so happens to have the name Evangelical Lutheran Church. And you're confessing to remain faithful even unto death. Because why? It's not about the congregation. It's about Scripture. So Luther was right. Scripture alone 
is the highest authority. Scripture alone has authority over any church. And so, yeah, we're Lutherans. We're dirty, sinful Lutherans. And we're saved not because of that, but because we're covered in the clean robe of Jesus' righteousness. To be Lutheran is to confess what Scripture says. We are saved by Christ's righteousness. You've got the right clothes. I'll see you at the wedding. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, never shall be, forevermore. Amen.